All right, let's pray again before we get started here into the Word tonight. Father, we, we quiet our hearts before you right now, God. We, we are aware, Father, that we are in the presence of Almighty God as we sit here in this room. That you, the God, the creator of all things, are here with us right now in this very room, in this place, God. And we ask that you would indeed give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to greater degrees in this place tonight, God, unto a knowledge of you, Father. Lord, that you would give us revelation and insight right now, tonight, God, into your heart into the way that you feel, God, into the way that you, God, desire, God, the way that you want, Father. We pray that you would continue to teach us, God, what is inside of your heart, God, particularly what your heart is toward us, Father. We're weak and we need continual revelation, God. We know that it's your will, it's your desire to grow us in our understanding of your heart. So we take hold of your willingness, Father. And we ask, Lord, that you would impart, God, understanding to us tonight, new understanding, fresh revelation to us tonight. Tonight, Father, yes, we thank you, we look to you, we trust in you, we hope in you, God. Yes, just breathe upon your word tonight, Father. We love you, we look to you, we praise your name, and we ask these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I am going to share tonight what I feel that God has laid on my heart for this group in this place tonight. I think it's a really simple message. And I think this group, to a large extent, gets it. But I feel God wants me to speak this into us tonight anyways. Okay? So we're going to turn to Matthew 6 tonight. Matthew 6, to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. And we're going to look at just the first couple of verses of it, 9 and 10. So if you have an ESV Bible, let's all read it together. All right? Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I Just these two verses, I want to take a look at Four words. I want to focus in on four words. Two words in particular. The four words are these. Your will be done. Okay? Your will be done. Now Jesus, when he talks about God's will, the Father's will, he's talking about the things that God wants. Alright? The things that God desires. We got that? When Jesus' disciples, they come to him and they ask him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
We want to know how to pray. We know that you're praying. We see you pray all the time. It says in Luke 5 that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. We know that prayer was a foundational, fundamental part of Jesus' ministry. His disciples see this. They ask him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And this is what Jesus tells them. And the first part of this, your will be done. Your desires come into being, come into fruition. The things that are in your heart, God, may they come to pass. Your will be done. Do we believe here in this room tonight that that our God is a passionate God? Amen? Our God is a passionate God. God, our God is filled with longing and desire. We're going to work on this for just a few minutes. Our God is a a God who's filled with passion and desire. I think sometimes when we think of God's will, we separate that from, from feeling. And it becomes an emotionless word. But it's really a word that's filled with emotion. Your will be done. Okay, so we're going to... We're going to look at a number of Bible verses right away that express something of the emotions of God. Because throughout Scripture, biblical authors are talking about how God feels. He is a God who feels. He is a God of emotion. Okay, so we're going to go through some of the emotions of God outlined in the Bible. First one is jealousy. Yeah. Our God is a jealous God. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 4.24. It says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Our God is a God who is jealous for his people. It says in Ezekiel 8.17 that God experiences the emotion of anger. It says, He said to me, that's God said to Ezekiel, Have you seen this, son of man? Is it a trivial matter for the house of Judah to do the detestable things they are doing here? Must they also fill the land with violence and continually provoke me to anger? Our God is a God who experiences the emotion of anger. Okay? Next one is grief. Ephesians 4.30. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the, the church in Ephesus. And he says... And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of God, God himself, experiences the emotion of grief. He experiences grief. He's a God who feels grief. Next, compassion. Hosea 11.8 says this, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Our God is a God who experiences the emotion of compassion. He's a compassionate God. Next, joy. Uh, this is a... Uh, a passage that Pastor Myungo was preaching partly out of last week, Zephaniah 3.17. All right? 
says this, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices. God experiences the emotion of joy over his people. Our God feels joy. He's a God of feeling. He is a God of emotion. Okay? Next, hate. Isaiah 1.14 says this, Your new moon festivals and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. My soul hates. Our God experiences the emotion of hatred. All right? To empty religious rituals done in Jesus' name. He hates that. He's not indifferent in any way toward that. He is a God who experiences the emotion of hate. He feels hate. Next, longing. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. He longs to be gracious to his people. He experiences longing. He's a God who feels longing. Our God is a God who feels. He's a God of emotion, a God of passion. All right, probably the the emotion that we're most familiar with is love. Probably the most well-known verse concerning that in the Bible, the one we learn Often at an early age, John 3.16 lays it out so clearly. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Our God is a God who loves. He is a God who experiences love. Our God is a God who feels. Our God is a passionate God. Are you with me? Our God is a God who is passionate. All right? He experiences all these different emotions. This is just a start into it. It's not all of them. It's just a sampling of the emotions that are laid out in the Bible that are attributed to God. And once we're here, once we've established that our God is a God who is passionate and filled with emotion, we can take the logical step then and say, if our God is perfect... Is God perfect? Do we agree that with that in this place? God is perfect in every way. He's making sure, you know, he's got a, you know, our God is perfect God. I'm pretty sure we believe that. Um, if God is perfect, then he experiences emotions in their perfection. He experiences emotions in their fullness. All right? God does not experience just a little bit of anger towards sin. He experiences God-sized anger and wrath towards sin. Do you know how big that is? That is infinitely big. We could not wrap our minds around how big that is. He does not you know, just have a little bit of an issue with it. He is filled with hatred toward sin. All right, God does not experience just a little bit of joy over you. Isn't that a good thought? Isn't that a wonderful thought? 
He experiences the fullness and the perfection of joy over his people. Right? When God's singing over you, when he's singing this song over you, it's not this half-hearted little love song. It's like, it's the most incredible, passionate, full song that you could ever imagine and infinitely greater than that. Our God experiences God-sized joy over his children. He is filled with passion and longing. God does not just love you a little bit. You know, he doesn't just experience a little bit of love toward you. Do you realize in this place tonight that God's love could not be any bigger or greater for you than it is right now? God's heart could not burn any brighter or stronger for you than it does right now in this place tonight. His heart is filled with passion and with longing. And this is something that is so hard for us to see so often. I am so prone to lose sight of this. But the truth of the matter is, this is truth. And the wonderful thing about truth is that truth is always true. You know? Like if it's in here, then it's true. Regardless of how we feel about it. Regardless of what we see in it. It's true. God is filled with passion and emotion. We got that? Are we there? Good. Oh, yeah, I just want to just, just wait there. I don't want to stay there. That, that's a good place to just be and just, just soak there, right? Just, just be in that place. Our God is filled with passion and longing. Hallelujah. And it's because of the blood of Jesus that we don't experience the fullness of God's wrath in this place tonight. He's redeemed us by the blood of his son, Jesus. Because that's a bad place to be. <laughs> under under the, the fullness of God's wrath. We, you, just, you don't want to be there. And, and the sad thing is, and the, the pressing thing is, that the majority of the world is there. Under God-sized wrath. We, the redeemed, have been rescued out from that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. And what I want to do tonight, I want to take this understanding of the passions and the heart of God and apply that to prayer. To look at what that has to do with us praying. Because when we gather here on, on Friday nights, this is primarily about prayer, right? That's, that's why we're here. We come to pray. We come to pray, yes? Amen? I wasn't sure for a second, but yeah. All right, we come here to pray, and that's, that's what we're doing. So what does this have to do with prayer? Well, to answer that question, I want to use a quote that has been particularly helpful to, for me in terms of understanding how to pray well. It's a quote that I came across a number of years ago when I first came to Korea, and that's 2002, 2003, um, that continues to shape the way that I pray. And I'm going to keep learning about this until the day that I die. I'm never going to 
truly get this, I think. But this is a quote. And if you write down anything tonight, write down this quote. It's by a guy named Phillips Brooks. Have you ever heard of this guy? He, he wrote some things on prayer. He wrote a lot of good things on prayer. Very helpful. The quote is this. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance, but taking hold of God's willingness. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance, but taking hold of God's willingness. Because, man, when we talk about your will be done, taking that back into Matthew 6 for just a second, we're talking about God's will. We're talking about the things that, that burn inside the heart of God, right? His will is not some small thing. It's not detached from emotion. It means emotion. Your wants, the things that you want, may they be done. The things that you desire, the things that you yearn for, may they be done. I'm getting on board with that. I want what you will to be done. Okay? So, this quote outlines basically two different approaches you can take to prayer. There's a good approach and a bad approach. Good idea, bad idea. Okay? And we're going to start with the bad idea. This is a bad approach to prayer, but one that is a lot more common than we might think. Okay? The first part of that quote from Phillips Brooks, prayer is not conquering God's reluctance. I think that for a lot of my life, I have approached prayer that way. Like I am going to go and convince God to do something that he doesn't want to do. You know? I think, I think we, we all do this from at least from time to time, whether it's conscious or subconscious. We're trying to convince God to do something he doesn't want to do. It's like, it's like a person who says, who has this desire for something. He wants something, whatever it might be. And he says, God, okay, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to get a whole bunch of people to pray. And I'm going to get them to fast too. And we're going to make a prayer chain. And we're going to pray a lot because I've got this thing that I really want. And we're going to pray so much that you're going to be overwhelmed by our prayer. And you're going to have to give me what I want because we prayed so much. We persevered. We did it, God. Now you have to give this to us because we prayed so fervently for this. And God says, no, absolutely not. It's really a shamanistic way to pray. It's a a pagan way to pray. This is how the religions of the world actually do this. I don't know if you realize that. Um, I've become fairly familiar with with Tibetan Buddhism. I've, I've spent some time the last few summers in the mountains of Tibet. And, and the way Tibetan Buddhists pray is they, they try to pray a lot, as much as they can. The more they pray, they earn favor with the spirits, right? And they kind of think they're going to bend the spirits into submission and cause the spirits to do what, you, what they want them to do. 
And they've got these prayer wheels that they spin all the time. They, they try to pray a lot. And then they go and they've got these big prayer wheels in a big circle. And they walk around, they spin that wheel, and they spin that wheel. And they, they do these, and they have to walk the right way because that's all part of the, the whole the scene. And they think, if I pray enough, then the spirits will be appeased. Good things will happen to me in this life and I'll be reincarnated into a higher state in the next life. For, for Tibetan Buddhists, it's, it's a very animistic slant, a uh, swing on, on Buddhism in general. And that's, that's really the way all religions approach prayer when you think about it. It's like you're going to try to twist God's arm. The, the, the picture has been given of Mark Driscoll, I think, gave the picture. And I was, I was talking with my pastor, Pastor Stuart Reeds, who some of you know. He said he thought of it before Mark Driscoll did. So I'm going to give Pastor Stuart credit for this one. Uh, but uh, he says it's like you got a pinata and you got a stick. You all know what a pinata is? Like Mexican... I think it's Mexican. Uh, you know, it's got paper mache, whatever it's got, but it's got a lot of good stuff inside, candy or whatever inside. And the piñata is God. And the stick is prayer. Okay? And I'm going to whack that thing as hard as I can, as many times as I can, and when I've whacked it hard enough, and enough times, it's going to break open and I'm going to get the stuff. I'm going to get what I want because I persevered in that. You know? And that's exactly what this is. Trying to conquer God's reluctance. I came across this uh, a number of years ago. One, one example that comes to mind. I was involved with an online prayer community. It was international. It was all over the world. And um, there was a number of committed intercessors who would pray for requests that would come in online from people in different countries. And, and there was this one woman, and I believe her name was Sonia, and she was, uh, she was from a country in, in uh, Eastern Europe, and she had this desire to marry this particular man. Because this man, she, she truly felt in every way this man was, was the right man for her. She, he was a godly man. He was... For whatever reason, he was going to be the man that she was going to marry. And she was fully ready to pursue that. And you, you probably know what the problem is before I tell you. Um, the man didn't feel the same way about her as she did about him. But she was convinced, and it's what she really wanted. It was a desire of her heart. And it wasn't necessarily a bad desire. It was just not a right desire, not in line, I believe, not in line with, with God's heart for her. But she would get online in this, this prayer community and she would pray these, she would write these updates about how things were going and she'd ask for prayer. Please pray for this man that God would change his mind and that he would make him fall in love with me. Those kind of things, right? Because this is what she wanted and she had this mentality that if she prayed enough and she got as many people as she could to pray for this thing, then God was going to bless her and he was going to make that happen. And to my knowledge, it never happened. Because, you know, 
if God doesn't want you to have something, it doesn't matter how much you pray for it. It really doesn't. If God does not want you to have something, he's not going to give it to you, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you fast, no matter how much you get other people to pray for you, because he loves you. Because he knows far better than you what is right for you. Praise the Lord that he does not give us the majority of the things we ask for sometimes, you know? Like, because he knows. And I think often we look back on our lives and we realize, oh yeah, if I had gotten that, my life would have been a mess. You know? God, God knows. And he loves us. Okay, so that's, that's a bad approach to prayer. Bad idea. Trying to conquer God's reluctance. No one really can conquer God's reluctance. People try to conquer God's reluctance. Bad approach to prayer. Good approach to prayer from this quote. Prayer is taking hold of God's willingness. All right, taking hold of God's willingness. Remember, God's willingness is talking about the desires of his heart, the things that he wants, the things that he's passionate for. Okay? And I guarantee you, when you pray, taking hold of God's willingness, it is at least a hundred times more enjoyable and it's infinitely more effective. It's just, it's just so good. Do you agree with me in this place? It is so good to pray in line with God's will. It is such a joy to pray in line with God's will. Because it's, it's a matter of this. It's a matter of understanding that the things that I want are so small and insignificant compared to the desires of God. The heart of God, the the shoreless, bottomless ocean that is the heart and the desires of God. His desires are so big. They're so wonderful. They're infinitely more wonderful than anything we could want for ourselves. And that's an issue. That's a matter of maturity to see that. That's a sign of maturity. When you start understanding that for real and grabbing hold of that, that's a sign of spiritual maturity saying, I've got these desires, God, but I believe and I know that your desires are so much more wonderful and I'm giving myself fully to your desires. Okay? And that is what it looks like. Um, In terms of actually praying that, one thing that struck me last week when... um, we were at United Prayer Meeting last Saturday, Onedi Church. At the end of the service, Erin uh, Samo, she came up and she was leading one of the prayer topics. And she said something very simple, but so important, I believe, when she was introducing that prayer topic. And it was about North Korea, if you remember. And she said, you are not begging God when you're praying for North Korea, you're not begging him. And I believe what she meant by that was that you're not trying to 
convince God to do something that he doesn't want to do. Because the thing is, even when, often when we pray the things that are on God's heart, we approach it as if we're trying to twist his arm in it. You know, the difference is, is the difference between praying from a position of faith or a position of disbelief. If I know that I've entered into God's heart and I'm praying from that position, man, that's a good place to be. Like, do you think for a minute that your desires and your heart and your wants for North Korea are anywhere near God's desires for that nation? Do you really think that, you know, your desires for the starving children in that nation and the persecuted Christians and the people in concentration camps and the gospel to be made known throughout that whole nation, do you really think that your desires come anywhere close to God's desires for that place, for that nation? Really? But when you place yourself into God's heart when you realize this is what God wants. This is what burns inside the heart of God. And I'm going to put myself in that place and I'm going to pray from that place. I'm going to take hold of His willingness in prayer. I'm going to take hold of it and I'm going to pray that into existence. I'm going to do my part in praying His will into existence. the same thing for anything we pray for here at Friday Fire. Anytime you're praying in your prayer closet or other prayer meetings you have at church, when you're praying for the prostitutes in Pattaya, you know? Wow. What is God's heart toward those prostitutes? How does God feel toward them? Our God is a God of emotion and passion. Think about that. How does God's heart break for them? That's where you want to be praying at. That's the place you want to be. And when God touches upon your heart with his heart, some crazy things are going to happen. You know, some, some amazing things happen when you, when you feel it, when you, when you know it. All right? I... I had a friend ask me a couple of weeks ago. Um, he comes from more of a conservative background, and and he asked me, John, why do people need to be loud when they pray? And this is something that Pastor Christian talks about too, right? Why do people need to be loud when they pray? And I think a large part of the answer to that question is that when. When you're filled with God's heart, when you tap into that, when you line yourself up with God's heart, do you really think you can be silent? I mean, it just, it pours out of you. It's, ah, like it just, it comes, right? It just, it comes. And that's, that's, I mean, at least that, that's how, what happens to me when I, 
when I get loud in prayer, sometimes I'm not always loud in prayer, but sometimes I get loud in prayer, and, and some of my friends know this. And, uh, and that, that's what's going on inside of me. I think it was just last week, we were, we were praying for a church in Australia, right? Uh, at the end of the service last week, at the end of Friday Fire. And while we were praying, I felt like God touch upon my heart with something for that church. And I felt that God's heart toward his enemies, toward his enemies in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, I felt that God's heart toward them was to shatter them. That's, that's the picture that came into mind. And God touched upon my heart with that. And when he did, it was like, that, that's when like the volume it comes up and it just it pours out then, right? It's, it's, it's flowing. It's not from you. It's from God. Like you, you don't, what you don't want to be loud in prayer about is like a little kid who's trying to fight God for something, you know? That, that's not, that's, that's futile. That's useless. But when God's heart is flowing into your heart and out of your heart, you're likely going to get a bit loud. It's probably going to happen. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay? So you may be wondering now, some of you may be wondering, how, how do I discern God's will? How do I discern his heart? Because we don't always know, and often, if we're honest with ourselves, we often don't know when we're praying what God's will is and what his heart is for a particular topic or issue. I think there are a couple of answers to that as well. first one is that this book tells you all sorts of things about the heart of God. All right? The more you know this book, the more you understand the Bible, when you dig into the Bible, you grow to understand the way that God feels. You grow to understand the passions of God's heart. The more you dig into this book. And the other part of that answer is found in Romans 8. So I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 26. The Apostle Paul talking about how weak we are. Okay, um, I'm just going to read it. Please follow along. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray or how to pray, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. Hallelujah. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So again, Paul is talking about an issue that all of us have to some degree or another, and that is the issue of us not knowing how to pray or what to pray for. And he says, God knows that 
it's hard to pray. So often it's, it's difficult for us to pray. And we don't know what to pray for or how to pray. But he has given us the most amazing gift possible. Pastor Marcus was talking about every spiritual blessing in Christ. One of the, the blessings that the, the Apostle Paul refers to in Ephesians 1 concerning that is the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Every person who has surrendered their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ has been given the Holy Spirit. The most amazing gift ever. And the Holy Spirit does a number of things in our lives. And one of them is that it empowers us and directs us in prayer. It doesn't only do that. It actually prays for us. It prays for us. Isn't that amazing? Intercedes for us in our place. Okay? Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is that it always leads you to one place. When you're being led by the Holy Spirit in prayer, it always leads to one place. That's the will of God. And again, when we talk about the will of God, we're talking about the passions that are in God's heart, the longings of his heart. The Holy Spirit leads you into the longings of God's heart for prayer. All right? What a wonderful gift that is. What a wonderful gift. Teaching us how to pray. Do you realize that God never intends for his children to pray apart from the Holy Spirit. He intends you, every time you come to him in prayer, to pray in the Spirit. As Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit. Do it all the time. Why would you try to pray apart from the Holy Spirit? Why would you want to be led by anything else in prayer? when God himself is in you teaching you how to pray. And this is something I confess, I, man, I, I'm just growing in this bit by bit, and it will take me the rest of my life to understand that, that I'm, I'm truly needing to pray by the Spirit all the time. But this brings us into the ocean of the desires of God to dwell on that place, to pray out of that place, to take hold of God's willingness in prayer. And God desires each one of us in here, all of, all of these mighty warriors in this room, to grow in this understanding. Because you know, a mighty warrior is not going to fight against his commander. The mighty warrior is fighting against the enemy. He's listening to the commander. He's being led by the commander to fight against the enemy. That's what it means to pray God's will. I think maybe the mightiest warrior in the Old Testament, King David, he says this in Psalm 40. He says, your will is my desire. That, that was the heart of David, the mighty warrior. 
And God wants to grow each one of us in this place, in that, as warriors in prayer. Taking hold of God's willingness. Taking hold of the passions and the desires of heart, of, of his heart. And praying those things into existence for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we long to know your heart more. We thank you, God, for the ways in which you've given us fresh understanding into your heart tonight. God, would you teach us, Father, would you teach us to pray your will? God, would you continue to give us revelation and insight into what's truly burning in your heart, God? Yes, Father, we would grow in understanding and knowledge and insight, Father. Yes, Father. That we would pray from that place, that we would war in the Spirit from that place, God. Taking hold of your willingness, Father. Grow us by this. Grow us in this day by day, God. Day by day. Grow us to understand the the leading of the Spirit more. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, that we would be people who are Spirit-filled day by day being led by you, being empowered by you in prayer, Father. Yes. Teach us truly what it means to pray by the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Bless this group, God, that you would grow them according to your good pleasure, Father. And we know that your pleasure is no small thing, God. Your pleasure is huge. It is God-sized. Grow this group according to your pleasure. Yes, that you might receive all glory and honor, Father, in this group. We love you and we thank you for what you will do in this place, God, for the glory of your name. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.